We have a brand new podcast. Visit myprivacy.help to subscribe. Did you know you can completely control your personal information without relying on a third party? Farris, Gordon, and industry experts explain how you can reclaim control of your data, your privacy, your life. Visit myprivacy.help. Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Farris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Hello and welcome to another Bitcoin Basics podcast with your host, Gordon, that's me, and Faris. Uh, before we even get started, let's have a look at our proof of recording. Today's the 31st of October, 2022. The price of Bitcoin is $20,570 US. And the current block height, all-time highs, is $761,029. So we're doing a Bitcoin and Markets episode today. It's basically where I ask Faris trading advice so I can put trades on whenever I want. So Faris, what do we want to talk about today? Hey, Gordon. So we haven't done a Markets episode for a while. Um We've been hitting some key macro events and I've been avoiding them, but we are heading into the midterms in the US and it's, it is worth talking about the markets, specifically what's happening in the dollar and what's happening in Bitcoin and crypto markets at the moment. All right. Well, I, I mean, I only have, you know, two questions, Bitcoin, USD and Ethereum, BTC. That's all I care about. So can you tell me uh, what to do and then I'll log off and you can do the rest of the episode. No, no, we're going to have a chat. So I'm just going to share my screen now. So for anyone listening, guys, this is a um, a visual one because I'm going to be putting up some charts. And just if you're in there, you won't see indicators on my charts. I know if you're following charts on Twitter or something, you'll see, you'll struggle to see a price. Um, if you're looking at my chart moment, this is a weekly chart. So these are called um, candle bars, Japanese candlesticks. And there's one line in there, and that's just a long-term moving average, just for reference. So the first thing we're looking at here is the U.S. dollar. And the U.S. dollar has been in what's called a parabolic move since July of 2021. It's just taken off. Um, this, why is the U.S. dollar important? I've actually talked in length on a different podcast about the importance of the U.S. dollar. And essentially, 30% of total global wealth is inside the U.S. And around 70% of wealth is denominated in U.S. dollars. So the U.S. dollar is um, basically what runs a financial world still. When the U.S. dollar goes up, that's a problem for a lot of other countries. Um, so we'll talk about that. So the U.S. dollar going up, basically, the, this is a DXY, which is a U.S. dollar against a whole bunch of other currencies, heavily weighted against the euro, the pound, um, and the yen. Um, and... It looks like we did hit, and I actually we did actually tweet about this, um, the tone phase indicator, which we like to use on the DXY, we hit that nine reversal, which basically you can see just up here, it actually was right near the top or almost at the top. Um, and we're pausing since. So that nine basically says, are we exhausting now? So we can see this parabolic trend, which just keeps going up. And parabolic means it will come down, retest a line and go back up. So are we, we have not broken the parabolic trend. Um, so the next week or two weeks will actually be crucial to say, is a US dollar going to reverse or is it going to go up? Now, there's two schools of thoughts. One is the US dollar's days are ending as a, as a global reserve currency. 
because um, all global reserve currencies come to an end. Before you thought it was the pound, before that you had the franc, you had the Dutch, the Italian, not the Italians, the Spanish, the Portuguese. We've all had different um, global currencies along the way. The U.S. dollar is a bit more tricky, though, because it's tied into um, IMF uh, world trade debts and obligations. Um, it's all commodities are priced in U.S. dollars. So as the U.S. dollar goes up, what's expected is that price of commodities will come down. Um, so in essence, yeah, there's the U.S. dollar is um, just a spider web involved in all our everyday lives. Um, it will not be a quick end. So some people are saying, look, the, you know, the U.S. hegemony is coming to an end, hence the U.S. dollar is just going to go. Uh, if I zoom out on this, um, let's see how far we can go. So I'm zooming out on the DXY here. So it looks like it's skyrocketing to the highest ever been, but it's not. So if we zoom back all the way back to 1982, so right now the DXY is trading at 110. So uh, 110, the highest it's ever been was 165. That was in 1982. Um, the highest, not 1982, is that right? 85, sorry. The highest it reached after that was it bounced back to 2004 at 121. And now it's at 110. So we're nowhere near the highs of the 80s. Keep in mind in 1984, at that high, we had the um, the Plaza Accords where basically Japan and European countries got together with the United States and said the strong dollar is causing us problems because it actually rallied. The DXY rallied from a low of 84 from 1980 to a high of 165 in 1985. So I think the Plaza Accords was 85. But anyways, that was the top of the US dollar. When countries got together and said, we need to weaken the US dollar and the US and the United States agreed. And it just went, you know, lost ha um, yeah, half its value, 50% down from there. I don't see a Plaza Accord happening. There is so much going on in the world right now. I don't see these countries getting together and saying we need a weaker US dollar. Um, yeah, we were not in a global recession at the time. So that's not happening. So the US dollar still has a lot of room to run, but we are looking, if we top out here, then it is interesting that we have three lower peaks. Um, and guys like Mark Husko, who went on the program, has basically said, yeah, the US, it is the end of the US dollar. Um, so why is the US dollar important? Well, because all things are denominated against it. Bitcoin is one of them. And we've actually seen, we've seen a strong correlation between Bitcoin and the stock market recently, which I don't like. And I don't like the fact that Bitcoin is volatile around Fed announcements. Now, Bitcoin should not care what Jay Powell of the Federal Reserve is saying. It should not matter to Bitcoin, but it is. Why? Because we are now seeing a lot of hedge funds and publicly listed companies like MicroStrategy buying and selling Bitcoin. Now, these guys have quarterly reports. Um, their stock price is heavily influenced by the Federal Reserve. So that could be one reason that Bitcoin is now correlated to the stock market. It's seen as a risk-on asset. And people buying and selling it are watching macroeconomic news and developments. This, who knows how long this will last. It shouldn't, but you have to respect the charts that that's the way it is. So the US dollar got a key point. I think this next week, this week and next week, when we have the midterms, which I believe are the 8th of November, um, you're going to get a lot of volatility around then. Um, we'll see what happens and how that will affect the markets. But if the US dollar goes down, that will affect all of the other markets. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. Um, 
Tone Vase, who um, we've had on the show and who we've workshop with attending, he said that yeah, the U.S. dollar he thinks is being the US, oil, the price of oil is being suppressed because we're going to midterms, and that is something I've heard from other people as well. Essentially, because you don't want the price of oil to be high as you're going into an election, because if high price of oil means this, you know, um, you don't really have much. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Confidence in this government. So high price of oil means, okay, government's doing something wrong. So what's been happening in America is they're selling their strategic reserve. They're selling oil, which and the strategic reserve is there for if they cannot buy oil on the open market, that oil is there for emergency purposes. They're selling it just to bring the oil price of oil down. So we've actually seen oil kind of rebounding around this $80 level. Um, this is US crude. So I think post-election, I would not be surprised if we saw oil going up so that's those are a few things that are okay what's very very interesting to keep an eye on right now sorry you asked me a question because i just need to take a breather all right uh firstly i i don't think a lot of people know what the dxy is i i guess traders do but um that's a basket and and you went back to what was it 19 that the last high was 1990 1985 or late 1984 so yeah, i mean so the, the dxy, DXY I mean, sorry i was just going to say the dxy is mostly nowadays against you know the us dollar against a basket of mainly euro you uh pound and swiss francs but in 95 you wouldn't have the euro no it includes the swiss franc so it includes the swiss franc it even includes the aussie dollar i think so it includes eight different currencies but they're weighted and like 80 percent of the weighting is euro yen and pound Right, so in ninety or whenever it was in eighty, there wouldn't be any euro, so we're not. No, but back then, so yeah, it would have been the German um, Deutschmark and the Mark, uh, yeah. Frank Frank and the French French Frank. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Across, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the a lot of people have been saying, you know, it's the end of the U.S. dollar ever since the global financial crisis. It's like, you know, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, people are saying, yeah, you know, it's just a maritime. I don't think people mm-hmm. underestimate or people overestimate maybe how far you can sort of kick the can down the road. You know, you look at inflation, yeah. you look at quantitative easing, um, you're like, well, this can't end. And it's like, but it probably can go a lot further than we actually think it can. So, um, yeah, and this is where you have to pay attention to the charts because I know so I was watching fundamentals and like 15 years ago, people were saying this rally this post-2008 rally cannot last. And you've had the best bull market you've ever seen. If you just paid attention to the charts, hey, you would have made money going long. And there's a lot of people who have made millions and millions of dollars who do not know what they're doing um, simply by just going along, going along and believing that. And there's a guy whose motto is stocks always go up. He has not had a good year. I saw an awesome tweet showing um, pre-2022 and 2022 and He's literally losing his shit and ripping his shirt off because he's losing money because he was under the assumption stocks always go up. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. This is where if you could only have one thing for an investing decision, what would it be? It would be a chart because the story is in the chart. Um, so what are charts telling us about? Uh, so what, before I get into Bitcoin, one interesting one to talk about is actually indices. And I'm just going to bring up a chart of this is the futures market of the S&P 500. And it's very interesting that 
when there's things on the news like doom and gloom um, and Jim Kramer on CNBC, who's been around for a very long time, they're actually launching an inverse Kramer. So you can, whatever Jim Kramer is saying to buy, this ETF is going to go the opposite way <laughs> because he does not have a good track record. He's underperformed the S&P 500. Um, so when people are doom and gloom, you think, okay, um, what is the majority of people saying? And if that's, and you got to think of it as um, like a, ro- a boat. If everyone's on one side of the boat, it's going to tip over. Um, and so when everyone's doom and gloom, the stock market's crashing another 50% from here. And you're like, okay, it might not. And I was just listening to an interview today with David Rosenberg, who's a very respected analyst. And he was saying that the strongest rallies you'll ever get are in a bear market. So that's when they go up the most because people have to cover their shorts and everyone's going in to cover shorts. So you get strong rallies in the bear market. So we are potentially, and um, this is a chart of uh, a weekly e, um, ES1, which is a futures of the S&P 500. Uh, so S&P 500 is only open during American hours. The futures market is open um, five days a week. And this is saying we've been, we've had two weeks of a decent rally. Um, there was an indicator that I use to say to go long. Um, so I think, yeah, this is actually potentially a good bear market rally that we're into and it might even just extend to new all-time highs past the election who knows but uh when everyone's doom and gloom you're like "Mm, i don't want to do what everyone else is doing um because if it's in the paper you're probably a bit too late so it doesn't mean that that's when you should go the opposite direction that's not how you trade um but looking at the charts it's yeah you probably you miss the opportunity to go short you might want to if you think that this market's going to go down even more um you might just want to wait for another entry point but uh right now it, it is a good risk reward to potentially go long in indices um uh, i brought up one today which i was amazed by so uh yeah so this is actually um a weekly chart of the of this this is a combination of the biggest shares in Asia, which is Samsung, Tencent, Alibaba. And just a year ago, it was at just shy $15. And now it's at $5.50. Wow. And you're talking, these are huge companies in yeah, Tencent, Alibaba, um, Samsung. They're, you know, and they're spread across like um not just one country, but it's spread across you know, two or three big economies. So I can believe it when I saw this. So yeah, risk to reward, if you were thinking, okay, if we're going to rebound, this is probably a good one to get into, but hey, that is highly, highly speculative. The chart does not tell me to buy on this one. This is just uh, the lowest this has ever been is $5.03. We're at $5.50. And a year ago, um, and this is during COVID, we're at just shy of fourteen fifty. So I'm like, that's a pretty good risk to reward if you're gonna hold on to that one for a couple of years. So this is just where I like looking at the charts and ignoring the news. But let's move into Bitcoin. So what I'm gonna show you now is a Renko chart. And a Renko chart basically takes out small movements and just focuses on the price change over time. So one candle does not equal one day, one candle can equal six weeks on this one. So it takes out any small movements and we'll just focus on incremental changes. And the interesting thing about this one is we are bouncing right off of the previous peak here of 19,000. So as you can see, we're bouncing off of that. 
Now, normally as a trader, you go, okay, the more times you hit this line, then it's going to fail. So think of it like punching a wall. If you've got, if you're hitting a wall with a hammer, you're not going to go through the wall with the first hit. You're not going to go through it with the second. You might, it's a third. The more times you hit that wall with a sledgehammer, the more you weaken it. It's the same thing with trading. So with here, we've hit this $19,000 floor so many times that if we hit it again, we could potentially collapse it. Um, yeah, so that if if there is a lot of downside for you, I've heard people say, oh, we could go back down to 12K, which makes sense, which is that previous peak there. If we don't, then we are looking at rebounding. And what's interesting is Bitcoin is not jumping so heavily. We've had, we had a good $1,000 bounce last week. Um, but I want to bring up uh, some other ones. So I think the altcoin markets tend to be um, a good in, in the leading indicator for Bitcoin. So this is Binance. On a weekly chart, Binance is actually looking pretty good to me. Uh, so Binance is just a token for the Binance exchange. So it's broken out of this downward little triangle trend here. Um, and that dates back to August. Look, normally for me, a trend line needs to be six months old on its own. So if it's just, just a trend line by itself, I don't pay attention to it unless it's at least six months old. It has to be part of another pattern. Look, you could argue this is part of a triangle here. It's broken out of that. So that looks pretty interesting to me. Dogecoin over the weekend... Um, had a huge pump. That I think would just be related to the fact that Elon Musk bought Twitter and that and that's taken over. And Elon Musk is pumping Doge. What reason? No one knows. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if these altcoins um, start leading into Bitcoin. Uh, the Bitcoin dominance is a. You, before you go, are you look at these charts, Doge and Binance on USD or BTC? Uh, USD. Okay. Yeah, these are USD prices. Um, so the Bitcoin dominance index is an interesting one because Bitcoin dominance, it doesn't really, like the top 10 altcoins, most of them are now stable coins. So you look at the Bitcoin dominance index now, and it's, I don't think it tells a real story of what's going on. Um, it used to be a really good charting tool to say, okay, what's going on? Whereas now yeah. I think because um, there are actually more cryptocurrencies than I say cryptocurrencies, inverted commas, because they're not really cryptocurrencies, but there's more tokens and currencies than there used to be. We went from 2000 to like, I think it was now 6,000, something ridiculous, but a lot of them are just stable coins and stable coins are meant to stay, stay stable. So the Bitcoin dominance index to me is not as good an indicator as what it used to be, simply because it's just, you know, against stable coins. Well, um, just, just before you go on, just to explain that a little bit for people who don't yeah. understand. A lot of times when you trade in an exchange, Bitcoin, USD, you're not actually trading USD. So when you're selling your Bitcoin, you're actually selling it into USDT or USDC or some kind of stable coin. So that value is going out of Bitcoin. It's not actually going to US dollar. It's actually going to another token, Tether or uh, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Gordon. And look, for me, what's been really interesting is just how lack of volatility has been in the crypto market. I saw an article the other day that the bond market, which is meant to be the least volatile, the US bond market is meant to be the least volatile instrument in the world, has been more volatile than Bitcoin. Now, this is Ripple versus Bitcoin. Uh, sorry, is that Ripple? XLM? 
Stellar. So Stellar is actually a pretty heavily traded coin versus Bitcoin. And you can just see these Bollinger Bands in here. So Bollinger Bands are basically just the trading range and they're so tight and Bitcoin was so tight. And think of this like an elastic band. The further you pull an elastic band, the, the harder the snap. And this is what's happened with Bitcoin. I mean, this is why we had a pump a week ago because the bands were just so tied together. So that band is being pulled and pulled and pulled. The farther you pull that band, further you pull that band, the heavier the snap. And look, I am really surprised that we have not just kept shooting up with Bitcoin in the last few days. I mean, I suppose it has been the weekend and that's probably why. But this is what we've seen in the crypto market. It's like you go through a lot of these, there's just been no volatility. And that is to be expected when these... um after a huge move, because we've had, you know, a 70% drawdown in Bitcoin. We've had funds being liquidated. I'm now reading reports of some of the biggest miners going, potentially going bankrupt or uh, not, yeah, some mining companies going bankrupt. So we've just had a huge washout. Um, I think we are, people are just waiting to see what is going to happen with the elections um, because the, expectations that Republicans are going to win the Senate and the House. And what will that do to markets? To be honest, I've not investigated yet. Um, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't want to be overly trading leading into the elections because things can just go completely haywire. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, mining actually is a little bit complicated in that the hash rate is also going up as well. So for a miner, if the hash rate, the computational power of the network is going up, but the price is going down or even the price is sort of staying stable, that's actually not a good uh, scenario for them. So a lot of miners are turning their miners off or some mm. companies are sort of um, limiting the mining. So yeah, it's not perhaps a good time for mining, but who knows, we could be around the corner from a stronger market. Yeah, so it's been like the lack of volatility is is crazy that we've seen in crypto because look, you can sell something when it's going down, short sell when it's going down, and you can buy when it's going up. But when it's going sideways, you're just, you know, if you're trying to make a trade happen, you're just going to lose money. Um, so potentially we could see a melt up in equities where equities go up. Oh, the uh, sorry, there's the main one I actually want to talk about is the bond market. So I'm going to show my screen again because the yeah, the bond market is the key one to talk about. Um, Okay, bond market, here we go. So the bond market is a basically say modern day portfolio is, is 60-40. Do you want to share your screen? Is it not sharing? No. Uh, sorry, I got to press share. There we go. So the bond market is where 60% of a lot of money goes into. Um, so managed funds, retirement funds in America, they all basically 60-40s are golden rule, 60% bond market, 40% stocks. Because they're under this presumption they don't go down together. We have seen yields go up. And if yields are going up, it means bonds are going down. But potentially yields topped last week. Um and uh, this is where tone base indicator came in really handy. And tone base indicator is based on a very popular indicator, which I don't want to name on this channel because I think there's some copyright behind it. So two weeks ago, the tone base indicator hit that nine reversal. Now, this is yields. So if yields are going up, it means the price of bonds are going down. So if the yields start to come down, 
then that means bonds are going to go up. And again, this interview with David Rosenberg, he said bonds will go up before stock markets go up, but we've actually seen this coincide at the same time where they're they're starting to reverse. And this is one problem that we've had in this market. If you had bonds and markets go down at the same time. So if you've been a money manager for the last 40 years, basically you've had one approach, 60% bonds, 40% equities, because if bonds go up, stocks are going down. If stocks are going up, bonds are coming down. So you balance out, but that's actually been proven wrong this year because they've been correlated. By the way, I can mention Tone Bay's indicator. It's called the random number generator. That's what it's based on. So it just randomly generates a number <laughs> one to nine. <laughs> so Inside if we joke. start to see a reversal in bonds, as in yields are coming down, which is you know good for inflation. It means inflation numbers are coming down. Or not inflation, sorry, but what you pay for on your credit card debt, your student debt, your car loan debt, your home loans, that starts coming down. That's going to be better for the economy because it means it frees up more cash. And if people have more cash to spend, potentially they'll in want to invest in the stock market. So if that continues to come down, that is going to be positive for markets and potentially positive for Bitcoin. Now, most people listening to this, Faris, probably care about Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin versus USD, we've had a look at potentially going down further. But Bitcoin against alts. Can you give us a summary? Again, Bitcoin USD versus Bitcoin alts. Bitcoin USD, I think the down is in. I don't think we're going to go lower. If we do, I think it's going to be a flash crash. Um, because the, I, the way I look at Bitcoin at the moment, and this is not actually a pattern, just an observation, is I like to call it's what I call a rounding bottom. I think it's had so many opportunities to go lower. Sentiment is just white. Um, so markets bottom on two ways. One is an event where it just bottoms and goes back up. Bitcoin has been known to do that and not bottom, but just have these, um, huge whips at, um, whips. And then time, people just get bored of something. And so the way I look at Bitcoin is it's just been, I mean, since June of last year, it's just been in such a narrow range. I think people are just bored of it. Yeah, so with Bitcoin, I think it's just been down here for so long. And the way people look at, at trading is, uh, what's, the op- what's your return on investment? So with Bitcoin, yep, it's at 20500 Now, the what is the potential upside to Bitcoin from here? It's $50,000. How do I know that? Because it's been there before. There's no reason it wouldn't go there again. The fundamentals for Bitcoin are getting stronger every week. So someone's going to look at this and go, okay, do I want to wait for Bitcoin to go below 19, maybe the 12 to buy in? Or do I kind of want to get in now because I know that in a year or two, this thing could be back at 70 grand. So that's, if you're looking at a chart, like, do I really want to mess around with this little area in here or, and miss out on the long-term impact of up here? So I think that's how people are going to look at it is just go, okay, I kind of, you know, maybe 17.6 was the low back here. I don't want to miss out on this big opportunity here because I'm fiddling around this little stuff. And to me, sentiment is so bad at the moment when you're hearing, you know, miners going bankrupt, you're hearing all, you know, the three Celsius stuff that we had, all this stuff going on. Um, it just basically people got over leveraged in the Bitcoin, people got burnt. And the fact that we've just been trending sideways for so long just tells me 
this forms a really nice base in here. So, and like if I, I would be surprised if we broke below 19.5, which is, you know, the top of this base here. And look, if we do, it'd be short-lived. That's my expectation. Not financial advice, just commentary. But yeah, the upside for here is definitely more better than just waiting for better downside. Yeah, good point, Forrest, because I mean, a lot of people, unless you're day trading and, and looking at this every day, which I'm definitely not, for the sake of saving a few thousand dollars, like, oh, I'm going to wait for it to dip a couple of thousand. It just makes no sense whatsoever. You're sort of saying, look, I'm going to buy in a couple of thousand dollars lower. If Bitcoin goes back to all-time highs, which is definitely possible and probably probable, a couple of thousand dollars is so insignificant when the Bitcoin price is back up to 60, 70,000. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and look, I, I had this conversation with someone where I told them, oh, now I think now's actually a good time to buy. And they're like, oh, I'm going to wait for it to drop another $500. At the time, it was trading at $4,000. And they never got in because they thought, oh, I want to get a little bit cheaper. And this is why on the Coinbase podcast, what do we say? DCA, just buy a little bit every day, every week. Don't look at the price for a couple of years. Dollar cost averaging for those playing yeah. at home. Put a little bit of your salary into every week or every month. Um, there are several services that provide that, but yeah, basically you're taking the volatility mm. out. Sometimes you're buying a bit lower, sometimes you're buying a bit higher, but you're accumulating Bitcoin over time. Bitcoin is about getting rich slowly. Yes. Yeah. Now you still haven't answered, like you've gone on this massive performance, but you still haven't answered my question. <laughs> Ethereum BTC I didn't chart. I didn't listen to your question, to be honest. Ethereum BTC, let's have a look. Yeah. Um, yeah, it actually was looking good. Um, to me, there's just a lot of upside. So this, the two weeks ago, I'm like, yeah, it's a nice looking reversal just in here. So I've got a lot of, let's, let me remove all this stuff from here. Um, I remember looking at this candle here. So that one right there, that second candle that we can see going, that's a nice looking candle. I didn't buy in because I'm like, there's just a, unless it's a short-term trade, there's simply a lot of resistance up here and up here. So if you bought Ethereum versus Bitcoin up here in this first line and you saw it go down, you're like, oh crap, I want to get out. And then you start come back to the second line here. You would have gone, okay, that was my opportunity to get out and I missed it. Then you go, next time it comes up here, I'm going to get out. So you've got these lower, two lower highs. Oh, and it's actually starting to look like a head and shoulders. Not a perfect head and shoulders, but yeah. So to me, this was a short trade. You would have done well if you're short, got, just did a short trade getting in there. Um but yeah, to me, there's just too much resistance up here to go long Ethereum versus Bitcoin on anything more than a, a week or two basis. Good, because I'm already up. Cool. Okay. <laughs> um, We're all happy for Gordon. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, very, very small trade. Very small trade. Because I'm all about accumulating more Bitcoin. I don't care. Sorry, I shouldn't say I don't care about the Bitcoin USD price, but... When you think about it, if you've got one Bitcoin and the price of Bitcoin goes from 20,000 to 100,000, 
that's mm-hmm. great because your one Bitcoin value has, you know, gone up, but you've still got one Bitcoin. The ultimate for me is to accumulate more Bitcoin. Well, how do you do that? We trade some of the popular alts, not because I think the alts are great, but because I want to accumulate more Bitcoin, not US dollar. Yeah. And this is the thing. What, what are you risking by trading? Are well, you risking losing your harder Bitcoins? Sure. So get rich slowly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hashtag not financial advice, but DCA again makes the most amount of mm. sense. If you're, yep. especially if you're earning fiat, if you're earning dirty fiat money from your central bank in whatever country you're in, put that money, $5, $10, $20, $50, whatever it is, even a small amount, put that every week or every month. You can set it up in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a savings account. You set it, you forget it. After a couple of years, you've just accumulated, even if you accumulate a small amount of Bitcoin, you still accumulated more than what you would have. So, yeah. um, and, you know, go without that coffee or go without that donut or whatever it is per week. And, and you know, it's just really it's up. stress. Cool. I, um, all right, Gordon. I say all this advice, but I never actually listen to my own advice. <laughs> all right, Gordon, I unfortunately have to get going, but uh, thank you for listening, everyone. hope that wasn't too boring for people. Um, and yeah, can you sign us off, please, Gordon? Yeah, so dollar cost averaging. Put, uh, as we've mentioned several times, get rich slowly. There are several companies that do that in different um, jurisdictions, uh, US, UK, and Australia. I will link those companies in our show notes um we are about bitcoin fundamentals not so much trading but thank you to faris for his uh, fundamental uh, market updates Um, but if you want to um securely store your bitcoin which is what you should um and faris is gone so i will sign off (laughs) um you need a hardware wallet so uh, i will link everything in the description of show notes and i will see you next time Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit coincompass.com for more information and please contact us.